Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Jesus is the reason for the season. (laughs) Some of you are like, yeah. (laughs) What a season. No, um, let's not lose sight of that. Let's not let that just be some trite saying. Let's not that just be, you know, some some kind of thing. We're like, well, yeah, yeah, I've heard that a million times. That's true. Let it be alive in your heart. Come back to your first love. Amen. Talking about what what, uh, Jamie was sharing about earlier in the middle of worship. Uh, You know, we're seeing just the season of the world. Not the world is ever consistent. It's always inconsistent. But it seems like this year, this season is more inconsistent than any other than we can think of in a long time. And I feel like this, this strong urge and need to encourage the church to rise up and be consistent in a world of inconsistency. And uh, we've been in a season of just continuing for a year or for, for over a year now. Just we're plowing, we're not giving up, we're mustering up that spiritual grit. But as Jamie was sharing that scripture today, I realized that we can do that in our own strength and power, or we can do it in the strength and power of the Lord. And Jesus is the consistency in a world of inconsistency. And we can keep our eyes and our gaze and our attention and our affections focused on him and draw strength from that to be ourselves consistent in an inconsistent world. And, uh, and so as, as we're doing that, as, as you know, we're, we're um, continuing to be faithful, as we're continuing to persevere, let's not get our eyes off of Jesus. Let's not do that in our own strength and power. Amen. And, uh, and, and I have also one other really kind of a praise report, a financial praise report about this year. Uh, at the beginning of the year or at the end of last year, we, we were projecting, you know, our annual budget here at Seeds Church and about, you know, trying to project what we would receive in tithes and offerings. And um, at the end of October, I know we're in the beginning of December now, but I don't have all of November numbers. But at the end of October, we were exactly right on track to just exceed what we had projected. Praise God. Isn't, yes, give, give glory to God. And thank you for your faithfulness and your obedience. And, and I will encourage you, as Pastor Russell uh, said to us just a moment ago, if you have not uh, developed that muscle in your life, if you've not developed that a habit in that area of obedience in your life and bringing your tithes and offerings, I want to encourage you to do that. Step into that and God will meet you. He is faithful. Amen. And he's been faithful to us. So let's pray on this second week of Advent. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we re-enter the story, even again this week, the story of your first coming, Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that um, as we, we center ourselves on these, these themes of Advent, hope, love, joy, and peace, that God, that the story and the meaning and all of it comes alive in our hearts, that we don't just go through in cruise control, that we don't lose our first love. But Jesus, we say that you are the hope of the world. We thank you that you first loved us, that we can now return love to you and be loved to this world, God. We thank you that your joy is our strength. We thank you that you give us the peace that passes all understanding, that it guards our hearts and minds in you, Christ Jesus. We center ourselves on you now, and we ask you to speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this is week two of Advent. This is the love week, and so I'm supposed to preach a message on love. So that's what you're supposed to do, right? We'll see. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians. If you've got your Bibles with you, if you don't, we're going to have the scripture up here on the screen. But you got to remember, 
2020 is the year of... <laughs> Let's try that one more time. 2020 is the year of... Oh, that was strong. That was good. I like that a lot better. And so uh, as we've, we've hit on this topic all throughout the year, um, the Lord was stirring in my heart uh, probably end of October, beginning of November. Hey, uh, the, the year's not over. We're going to keep, keep girding ourselves and strengthening ourselves as a family, where you live at your address, but also here as the church family. And so we got some God, okay, that's fine. But you know, Lord, we're going to the Advent season. What is, how do we preach strong families in Advent? And we've been in the book of Ephesians. And so I go to Ephesians chapter five because two weeks ago we were in Ephesians four. And I go to Ephesians five and this is what the very beginning of Ephesians five says. Imitate God, therefore. Therefore means, don't forget all the, the first four chapters before this. <laughs> like, Keep all this other stuff in mind. So keeping everything in mind, the, the marvelous work that Christ did, bringing us into his family, therefore, imitate God because you are his dear children. Praise God, we're his dear children. We're not orphaned. And live a life filled with love. How do we do that? By following the example of Christ. He loved us. He offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. All right, so God loved us. He offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. We're imitating God. We're imitating Christ. So now we're going to live as his, uh, in his example, his dear children. So if he loved us, we're going to love him. He offered himself as a sacrifice, so we're going to offer ourselves as a sacrifice. It was a pleasing aroma to God, the, the sacrifice that Christ made. So our sacrifice is going to be a pleasing aroma to God, praise God. And, and like I said, so we're on Advent here, but this is probably going to take a little bit of a turn and going to be a different Advent love message than maybe you've ever heard. So pleasing aroma to God. This is what we're doing here. This is what we're wanting to do, presenting ourselves to live a life in a way that's a pleasing aroma to God. We're living a life of love. So then how do we live this life of love? Like I said, God first loved us. Now we can love him. So how do we love God? Well, there's a few different ways, but two of the ways that first come to mind that we love God is through our obedience to him. Because what did Jesus say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will obey me. So we love God through our obedience to him, and we love God through loving others, right? Because the Lord said to us, he says, what's the greatest commandment? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is equal, love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to get in here to the rest of this chapter, Ephesians 5, but let's keep these things in mind. Let's keep this, what we're about to read, in mind that this is about not just jumping through the right religious hoops, but this is about we're showing our love to God, we're being obedient to Him, we are obeying His commands, and we are loving our neighbor. So keep these things in mind as we read through the rest of this chapter. Paul said this, you want to live your life as a pleasing aroma to God, then let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. I think we've got this scripture. We can put this up there. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Everybody's going, okay, I think I'm good there. Yeah, all right. And then verse four, no obscene stories, uh, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I was really good with those first three, but now he's like, oh, some of the foolish talk and the coarse jokes. Okay, all right, I love Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not do that. 
Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So it's not just about don't do these things. It's saying this, Paul's saying this, do this instead. Live a life of thanksgiving to God. You know, we just came out of Thanksgiving season. And one of the things, you, you may have heard me say this before, but Thanksgiving and generosity are so closely related to each other. There, there's these two things and ideas that are intertwined with one another. I've never met a really thankful person that wasn't a generous person. And I've never met a really generous person that wasn't a thankful person. And so we're saying live a life, let there be thankfulness to God. And we're talking about love. And and I'm thinking now about John chapter three, verse 16, the most famous verse in all the Bible all over the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. See, our love is tied to our generosity. It's tied to our thanksgiving. You can be sure, verse five, that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Now, I don't know if you know this about God, but the Bible says that he is a jealous God. What does that mean? How can God be jealous? Like, doesn't he own the cattle on a thousand hills? Doesn't he everything, you know, on the earth and in the sky and in the ocean? Doesn't it all belong to him? Doesn't the entire universe belong to God? Well, yes, but we are created with free will. And in order for love to exist, free will must exist. And when we say that God is a jealous God and when the scriptures say that, he's saying that he's jealous for your love. Not for what you have, but for your love. Not for things that he, you know, he, he's God. He's got everything. But yet he created you with free will. And he does not want or desire or stand for, for his children to love something, someone or something else more than they love him. Return to your first love. Remember? Revelation 2, we just read that. Jamie just read that to us. And so he's talking here about idols. Man, I tell you what, if there is a time in our history right now, in our lifetime, I should say, where God is tearing down down idols, it is right now. So let him do it. Don't fight God as he's tearing down our idols. Let him do it. We see a lot about how God doesn't think so highly of idols. And you're thinking idols. Well, you look in the Bible, the idols that they have then are different than the idols that we have today in our culture. We don't literally bow down to some graven image and worship that thing. But we make idols out of all kinds of things and all kinds of people and, and ideas and thought and position. And it's an idol is anything that you honor and worship and revere more than God. And all throughout this Old Testament, even the New Testament, God's saying, you know what? I, you'll ha- you're going to have any more idols. You'll have no other idols in front of me. We see this first appear in Exodus. This week I was reading through Isaiah, and Isaiah has a lot to say. Not, it's the voice of the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He has a lot to say about idols. And it's just a wake-up call, and I feel like, let's not fight the Lord on this. God, if there's any area of my heart or life where I have elevated something or someone or idea or a thought above you, God, tear it down. I don't want to fight you over this. Amen? Verse 6. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. This reminds me of the chapter right before we were talking about two weeks ago. And Paul saying, take off your old sinful nature, put on your new nature, right? 
we cannot put on the new nature without first taking off the old nature. And here again, Paul says it this way. Uh, you weren't once children of the darkness, and now you're children of the light. So put away the things of darkness, and now walk in the light. And he says, so live as people of the light. Verse 9, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. I like that. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. I think we need to be mindful. We need to be aware of what is pleasing and then being sensitive to what the Holy Spirit shows us, the things that may be displeasing to him. But I think there's all kinds of things that please the Lord that we may go through our everyday life that we don't even really think about it. It's just part of our everyday life. You know what? Helping your children with, your, with their schoolwork is pleasing to the Lord, I think. But we don't think about that. We just do it because it has to be done. Otherwise, they're, they're going to get marked off a grade if they don't turn their homework in, right? But it's pleasing to the Lord. It's pleasing to the Lord when you go to work because God said that work is a good thing. God said that if you don't work, you don't eat. It's pleasing to the Lord. It's pleasing to the Lord when you cook your family dinner or when you're doing the laundry. These things are pleasing to the Lord. And I think sometimes we just go through life and we just don't think about these things. But we know throughout the scripture, it says, do everything you do, do it unto the Lord. And you're like, man, I don't, you know, yesterday we, Noble and I went over and we helped a friend split wood and we did that for a few hours. And I was, I was a full body workout right there, you know, you know, and, and, it, and it felt good to do that. And I believe it's pleasing to the Lord. I'm sore today and it's reminding myself as I'm sore, Lord, I was pleasing to you yesterday. I was doing this unto you. carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Verse 11, take no part in the worthless, worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Expose them. If there's things in your life, if there's things in your life that are worthless, if there's things in your life that are evil, expose them. I'm not saying come up here in front of everybody and tell everybody all your business, but go to somebody, a brother or sister in Christ and say, hey, I need to expose this. I need to get this out into the light. I'm not supposed to be walking in darkness. I need to get into the light. I need to expose this. This is not going to get any better. This is going to only continue to keep me a slave to sin until I get this exposed. Expose it. In verse 12, it's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, and then this is, the Paul quotes this here, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now just a little side note on that. There's no other specific scripture that says that exact same phrase. So there's a little bit of debate what Paul is, is doing here. There's debate of that he might be quoting and paraphrasing uh, passages maybe from Isaiah, maybe one of the ones that we assume, it's easier to assume that he's quoting is Isaiah 60 verse 1 where it says, Arise Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. And then other people say it's possible that this is just something that has, as the, as the early church has, has been going and emerging, that this saying is just out there already. And Paul is just quoting something that that the church has already like um, adopted as liturgy of some kind. But it's good. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Praise God this morning we woke up and the tomb was still empty. Amen. Praise God we don't serve a dead Messiah, a dead Christ, but he is alive. He is still fully God. He is still fully man. He sits at the right hand of God the Father interceding for you and I, and he's coming back. He's coming back. Praise God. Verse 15. Again, 
Paul just keeps saying this kind of thing. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Do you feel like we live in evil days still today? Paul's writing this in the first century. It feels like here in the 21st century, there's still evil days, but guess what? We can have opportunities. And we need to make the most of these opportunities. We don't just sit back and let the evil happen. We're looking for opportunities to be the light. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Amen, right? (laughs) But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So don't be filled with the spirits, but be filled with the spirit. Amen? Come on, that was funny. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again, thankfulness. Thankfulness is tied to generosity and these things are tied to living a life of love and imitating God the Father, amen. All right, now here's where we're gonna go off road. Ready? Like, man, this is a love sermon. This is Advent week. Yep. Verse 21, Paul starts talking about spirit-guided relationships. Further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. J.D., I was doing really good until we got right there. I got to submit to somebody out of reverence for Christ? Yes. We said this year is the year of strong families. We've, we've hit on more than a dozen different attributes of a strong family. And here's one that's staring us right in the face that Paul gives to us right here. Strong families submit to one another. Can you say that with me? Say strong families Submit to one another. Thank you for submitting to me just now. Submitting to one another is not about being a dictator. It's not about who's the master and who's the servant. It's not about who's the dictator and who are the peons. Submitting to one another is about giving and receiving. It's about giving love, it's about receiving love. It's not just submit to that one person, it's submit to one another. It's a two-way street. And here we are, Paul starts meddling. He starts talking about husband and wife dynamics. And here's the deal, as we're getting into this last few verses here, no matter what your current relationship status is, don't disengage. I know we got a lot of married people in the room, but we got single people in the room. We got divorced people in the room. We've got widowed people in the room. But whatever your relationship status is, engage here because there's something for us to learn. And I'll say this, for all you uh, young single people that you want to be married someday, learn this stuff now. Don't wait till, you know, you're in like, I think she's the one. I think he's the one. Don't wait till then. Learn this stuff now. Get it on the inside of you right now. Before we get into this, before we get into this part right here, before the Paul gets into meddling, I came across this, this, uh, this video. We're talking about husband and wife dynamics. And I just thought, man, this is just a really great kind of like illustration to help us kick off this idea of, of submitting to one another and growing in maturity one another. So, why don't you guys just watch this real quick. Hey, did you pay the cable bill today? No. Didn't you have a lunch break today? Welcome to That's So Mature, the game show for married couples who want to go the distance, beat the odds, and put the relation back in their relationship and build a loving and lasting godly relationship. What do you say? Want to play? Absolutely. When is dinner? 
Super. The rules are simple. When you hear this buzzer, you have the opportunity to rephrase a thoughtless comment and make it thoughtful. A chance for a meaningful conversation rather than a meaningless one. Scott, let's start with you. Welcome to round one of That's So Mature. That's So Mature. Scott, you began the conversation insinuating that your wife should have been able to pay the bill while she was at work. How can you rephrase that and make it more positive and engaging encounter? Um, hi, um, sweetheart, uh, why didn't you have time to pay the bill today? What? What's wrong with that? The answer we were looking for was, how was your day? How was your day? That's implied, isn't it? Okay, all right. Um, how was your day today, sweetheart? Super, excellent work, Scott. Now, Sharla, your turn. Answer this question. How was your day? Well, I went to work this morning, and as I was driving, there was a guy driving next to me in a Honda. Well, no, it wasn't a Honda. It was a Datsun. Wait, no, they don't make Datsuns anymore. You know what? What was the car that your cousin Rip drove? You know, the one that we always said looked like a pregnant ferret? Anyway, he was wearing the same colored shirt you were wearing. So I got to work and I walked in like normal and Diane was sitting at the front. Wait, I wasn't even halfway through my day. Exactly. <coughs> no one needs uh, that many details. The question was, how was your day? Not give me a doctoral thesis on your day. Sharla, try that again. Well, babe, to answer your question, um, I went to work and I ran some errands. I actually had a lot more errands than I thought I would have, which was not stopping me from having a productive day and included having lunch with my mom. Super work. Nicely done, Sharla. So... What's for dinner? What? What's wrong with that? What? I'm starving! And it's her night to cook. Yeah, I'm not really clear on that either. It's um, breakfast for dinner, by the way. Awesome. Love it. First of all, Scott, don't think with your stomach before you think with your heart. Take the time to let her know that you're happy she had a good day. Isn't that obvious? I mean, why wouldn't I want her to be happy? Well, sometimes I don't really think you care too much about my day. Oh, of course I care. I'm sorry. I should tell you more than I care, babe. Um, I got this. Honey, what can I do to help you with dinner tonight? Oh, that was me. I slipped. I'm sorry. That was a really brave offer, babe. I think you mean helpful, not brave. No, I, I think she's referring to the fear I have with those biscuits that explode when you open them. How embarrassing. And that brings us to the lightning round. That doesn't sound good. Too negative. Charlotte, go. I'm confused. <laughs> Excellent, Sharla. Good to express your confusion. Scott! Can I have a biscuit? May I have a biscuit? This is not English class, Scott. Do, do you want a biscuit? Excellent. Generosity always wins. Hi, hi, babe. Ah. Hello? Isn't there a cash prize or something? All right. <laughs> That was so great. Strong families submit to one another. All right, here we go. Paul, here he goes. Number, verse 22, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. I just want to just say this. This is the first time I've ever preached this from this passage ever. You know, just give me some grace here, everybody. Everybody just stretch your hands forward to me and pray for me right now. 
For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. I did a wedding one time a couple years ago, and the, the mother of the groom came up to me during the rehearsal before we had started into, actually it was I think in the middle of the rehearsal. I'd, we'd already started into the service rehearsing everything with the bride and the groom and all the wedding party. And she comes right up, right in the middle. And she goes, now you're, you're not gonna have her, when they repeat the vows, you're not gonna have her repeat that one line where it says where she must obey her husband. I was like, well, that's, I don't, it's not in my notes. I'm, no, I don't have her planning on her saying that. Okay, well, good. I just want to make sure that's not in there. And it just so happened the, the mother of the bride was divorced. And so there was some pain there, I guess, maybe attached to this. And I felt awful for her, but I know what she was referencing. She's referencing this passage, but that's not what the scripture says. It doesn't say to obey your husbands as to the Lord. It says submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And then you think, man, I know a lot of you guys are standing, sitting there right now going, doing like this to your wives. Better submit to me as to the Lord. But as we keep reading, I just want to point this out and let you guys know, there seems to be a lot more pressure here on the guys than there does the wives, because this is what he says next. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. So, strong families submit to one another. This is the, the husband being the head of the, of the marriage, of the relationship, is not, like I said, it's not about being a dictator. It's not about being a, a master and she's a slave. Because Paul instructs both of us to submit ourselves and subject ourselves one to another. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband sometimes only when he's being really nice. That is not what Paul said. He said, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. And I love this. We're talking about strong families. We're talking about your strong family. And we're talking about our collective strong family. And that's exactly what Paul is doing right here. He's talking about the church. We're submitted to Christ. We're submitted to his lordship and his leadership. And wives, you ought to submit to your husbands and everything, just like the church submits to Christ and everything. Okay, so... Wives, I want you to take just a big, deep breath right now. All you ladies, take a big, deep breath. And slowly let it out. It's okay. There's no, there's no pressure on you, okay? Now, husbands, there's a lot more here to say to us, I feel like. And, and, I, and I want to say this, this. This deal of loving and respecting. You know, wives are to respect their husbands. Husbands are to love their wives. And I think we've read this before, and here's how we've processed it. Well, when she respects me, I'll start loving her. Or when he starts loving me, then I'll respect him. And we think of it conditionally. But I don't see that, any kind of condition in here when I read this. Guys, single guys, just go ahead and determine in your heart right now. I'm going to love my wife if sometimes whether or not she acts lovely or not. I'm going to love my wife whether or not she respects me all the time or not. Because as I'm doing that, I'm following the example of Jesus 
who said that he did this for her benefit. When, guys, when we love our wives, whether they are lovely to us or not, whether they respect us or not, we're making her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. We're helping her present herself without spot or wrinkle or blemish to the Lord. I think sometimes we think, well, I just, you know, the Lord brought us together and this is who I'm gonna build my life with. And, but we don't think about the actual ministry that God intended for us. But, you know, the ministry that men you have to your wives and the ministry wives that you have to your husbands. God didn't just call you to be married and just make babies and just to live your life and just go through it. He called one, us, one to another, to help us present ourselves to Jesus without spot or wrinkle or blemish. You have a ministry. You have a ministry in your home to your spouse. So, wives, as you're ministering, respect your husbands. Submit to your husbands. Husbands, as you're ministering to the Lord, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How many times throughout the scripture do we see the people of God treat him like they just turn their back on him and worship some, some graven image, some idol? And what does God do? He keeps loving the people. He keeps loving his called people. We've, in, the, the, in Revelation 2, Jamie read this, the, the church in Ephesus, we, man, we've got all this spiritual grit, we're going and blowing, we're doing great things. But Jesus said, return to me, your first love. Return to your first love. He says, well, well you're doing all this stuff you're not, you're not, you know, like, you're just doing it kind of like this is what you're supposed to do. You're not really doing it out of the place of love in your heart for me. Well, I'm out. Jesus doesn't do that. He brings correction to the situation. Return to your first love. We have this ministry. We have this opportunity. We have this love because God first loved us, we can love him, and now we get to show that love to one another right in our homes. Strong families submit to one another. What happens when you stop submitting to one another? Well, you get out of unity. You get into, uh, you, you create opportunities for division. You, you get hurt, you get wounded, you create opportunities for unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. And all of that is just a foothold for the enemy to come right in and say, I'm gonna wreck this family, I'm gonna wreck this church. But when we submit to one another, we don't let the enemy have a foothold. Well, J.D., where do you know, where do you see all that? Just read the next chapter. Finally, brethren, Put on the whole armor of God. Having done all to stand, continue to stand. Put on the helmet of salvation. And you go through all the, the whole, the pieces of the armor of God, and we think, well, this is just stuff I've got to do. No, it's the Lord has already done it. The Lord has already done the work. Now we get to walk in that truth. Verse 31. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united in one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and each wife must respect her husband. Love and respect. Submitting to one another. And this is a picture of us and Jesus, us, the church, and, and, and God, it's a mystery. But it's a, it's a beautiful truth. And, and as you live 
your life and as you grow your marriage and as you mature in your marriage, you are being a living illustration to the rest of the world around you. You're being a living illustration to your children in your house of our relationship with God, the church's relationship with God. This is a beautiful, beautiful ministry that we've been called to. The very first ministry that we've been called to. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we love our wife as much as we love ourselves. We love our husband as much as we love ourselves. Let's pray. I feel like this is an entire series <laughs> that we could get into just from these few scriptures here. But I pray that the Holy Spirit will do a work in the hearts of our marriages here at Seeds Church. That the Holy Spirit will do a work in the heart of single people, preparing them for the ministry that they're going to have to their spouse. And that as we're about kingdom business, and as, and as this world is upside down, we can show the world how the kingdom is right side up even through our marriages. Lord, I just pray right now for husbands and wives, for future husbands and wives, God. But I pray for us to be committed to each other, to love each other, to respect each other, to be submitted to one another, to take care of each other. God, grant us the power to succeed through demanding circumstances. Grant us the power to withstand great pressure. Grant us the power to stay firmly established without being disturbed, upset, or affected. Lord, I just pray right now for unity in our marriages. God, where the enemy has brought division, Lord, I pray that you highlight those things by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you illuminate them to our understanding, and that we come out of any kind of agreement with division in our marriages, and that we step into unity. God, not that we have to agree, not that husbands and wives have to see eye to eye on every single thing, and they have to agree on every single thing, but God, that we would be subject to one another, that we would be submitted to one another. God, that word even just even implies that there's not going to be agreement sometimes. That, that there's going to be opportunities to see things differently. But by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us submit to one another. Help us be in unity with one another, God, in the way that we raise our kids, in the way that we schedule our lives, in the way that we do our work, God, in the way that we minister to one another. In the, in the way that you've called us to minister to the world and whatever ministries you've called us to do, help us be in unity, God. Help us be in unity in the area of our finances, God. Lord, I pray for intimacy to grow. Lord, I pray that you help husbands and wives, God. I pray that you help them rediscover intimacy, those that need to discover it. help them just illuminate their heart and their mind with um, just new ideas and new thoughts to create intimacy. God, there's, there's intimacy of the soul, there's physical intimacy, all of it, God. Holy Spirit, I thank you that we're not just out here being married and living our, living our lives and raising our kids and going to work on our own, but you have a plan for every part of our life. Help us to discover that and help us uh, just come alive to those, those plans of intimacy that you have. Lord, I pray for honesty in our marriages, God, where maybe we are keeping part of ourselves from our spouse. Lord, help us step out of the dark and into the light. Help us be truly honest with our spouse.
everything in the open. God, I pray for forgiveness to flow, Lord God. Where there's hurt, where there's woundedness, Holy Spirit, come and help us forgive just like Jesus forgave. He's hanging on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. Give us that kind of strength. Give us that same kind of power of forgiveness. God, where there's where bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment have, have made roots in our hearts, God, have they, God, I pray you uproot those things, that we'd come out of agreement with any kind of lie of the enemy. We'd come out of agreement with even just the facts, God, that have hurt us, and that we would come into agreement with the truth that you have over our marriages and over our spouses. And how, God, give us eyes to see our spouse the way that you see our spouse. Help us walk in forgiveness, God. Help us walk in healing and restoration. God, that wounds wouldn't just stay open and fester, but God, that there would truly be healing. We wouldn't have to continue rehashing the same things over and over again. And there would be restoration, God, meaning that there would be a strong foundation in our marriage, God, that it would be completely restored like brand new. pray for health. I pray for thriving, and I pray for growth in our marriages, God, and our families. I pray that our, our marriages would be centered on you, Jesus. They'd be Christ-centered. They'd not be centered on just what are the demands of the day, what are the demands of the week or the month. They'd not just be centered on work or kids or running them to ball practice or all those things have to happen Jesus but let them orbit around you at the center God I pray that our marriages that this church Lord God would be full of love and be full of joy joy unspeakable joy full of glory love like you love not as the world loves but like you love unconditionally God God that we wouldn't think to ourselves or if we do think to ourselves the Holy Spirit you would arrest our hearts when we think well I would love her more if she did this or I would respect him more if he did that God I just pray Holy Spirit get that out of us totally demolish and desolate that kind of thinking. And as we center on you, Jesus, let there be love between husbands and wives. Let there be love between parents and children, God. Let there be love in this church toward our church family, God, and let there be joy, God, in a world that gives a counterfeit love, in a world that gives a counterfeit joy. Let us truly find joy and that we would tap into the joy of you God your joy would be our strength that we don't have to muster it up for ourselves but we just keep our eyes focused and our attention on you and our affections on you Jesus and that you give us your love and give us your joy God we pray these things in the name of Jesus we seal these things in the word of God Holy Spirit, I pray right now, you, you're illuminating things to individuals that are hearing this here in this room, that are hearing it online right now, and you're showing us these areas of correction right now, these areas of where you're bringing us into alignment with your heart right now as it, con it concerns loving our wives, as it concerns respecting our husbands. God, bring us into correction and alignment with you. We don't want to follow the example of the world, the way they do things. We're not going to follow the example of television and movies, how they do things. We're not going to follow example of any of, of, of the, just some random book some unholy author wrote. We're not going to just follow example of what someone told us at work, what they did. Holy Spirit, we pray you doing those things. And God, you can bring us to the right thoughts and right ideas in a million different ways. 
But God, we don't want to get our example from the world. We want to get our example from you. Do your work in us and through us in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now, I just, I just switch gears and I'm just praying against the spirit of infirmity that tries to attach itself to this church. We resist that in the name of Jesus. We call all those who've been dealing with sickness. Right now, we call them well and, and, and healed and whole right now in Jesus' name. Enemy, you can't take out this church with sickness. We are covered in the blood of Jesus. His body was broken for ours that ours would not have to be. And we come into agreement with that spiritual reality in the name of Jesus. So wherever there's a sick person in this church family, God, we call them hold. We call them heal in Jesus' name. We can't be there to lay hands on them right now. In this moment, we stretch our hands forth out in a, in a spirit of faith, and we say, behold and be healed in Jesus' name. We say wherever they have come into agreement with the spirit of infirmity, we pray that they would come out of agreement with that, and they would be full of faith, and they'd be healed and whole right there in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray against for the, the, the other spirits that come through the doorway of the spirit of infirmity. Depression and loneliness and anxiety and, and doubt and unbelief and isolation. And Lord, we just resist all of those things in Jesus' name. We embrace every good thing that you have for us. We thank you that you've already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So we lay hold of that. Lord, every bit of healing that's stored up in the warehouses of heaven, we call it down here to earth right now in Jesus' name. You said to pray is that your kingdom would come from heaven to earth. So we pray that right now. There's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no injury, there's no pain in heaven. God, we call it here to earth right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said amen. Would you stand up with me? It's a different Advent sermon probably than you've ever heard. Me too. God, I just pray over your people right now that we would be filled with your love, that we would be people that are filled with hope of you, Jesus, and we'd carry that hope to the world. God, that people, it, that we'd be so full of your joy, God, that, that as we go and do our lives, people would notice the joy of the Lord being our strength. And God, that I would pray that your peace would continue to, to guard our hearts and our minds in you, Jesus. It, that the enemy will not have any kind of foothold, no place in our hearts or minds because it's guarded by peace. And Lord, I pray over your people today that they follow that peace in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.